This episode is sponsored by Toner Microphones, your sound master. Toner provides the best audio solution for podcasters, content creators, and people who work from home. Today on Growth Mindset University. Education and learning are not the same thing. Learning is essential. We learn things by doing them. Education is different. It is a system organized around compliance and indoctrination. You're listening to Growth Mindset University, educating tomorrow's leaders with lessons from today's entrepreneurial elite. It's a progressive new age of business we find ourselves in, and we'll help you find the success you seek by listening to today's industry professionals and thought leaders teach us the lessons we should have learned in school but didn't. Now, please welcome your host, Jordan Paris. This is episode number 200 with the one and only Seth Godin. Now, Seth Godin really doesn't need much of an introduction for many of you. Some of you, it it may be the first time that you're hearing his name, but odds are it's probably not. And I will introduce him, but first, I mean, episode number 200. I, I can't believe that we got to this point. I remember When I uh, started it, it really wasn't supposed to be anything. I had very middling hopes. And then around episode 30, 40 something, I was seriously considering quitting. It was like September of 2018 and I was super, super depressed like that whole month. I, I don't know what was going on. There weren't really any external circumstances that were really shaping that feeling of depression, but nevertheless, I... I don't know what was going on that month. Uh, it was a dark time and really didn't understand why I was doing the podcast. Uh, maybe I was just doing it just to do it because I thought I should. And I didn't quit and things got better. And I really learned to enjoy the process come 40, 50, 60, and then 70, 80 Around those episode numbers, I really started to hit my stride and interview people that I was already naturally curious about, people whose books I consumed already, whose products I used and services I used. And from there, just got a lot more fun, a lot more interesting. And a lot of you tagged along for the ride around uh, around that time and after that. And I'm really grateful that, I mean, there there's nothing that I'm more proud of in my life than this podcast, Growth Mindset University. And the people that reach out to me from this show, it's just incredible. And I very rarely share these stories. I get emails, messages, saying all sorts of things. So many great things. I get some bad things too, and that's fine. I don't really care. I, I, I like that. I feed off of that equally as much, really. It's a chance for me to practice my social jujitsu. I'm like, oh yeah, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your kindness. And uh, yeah, whatever. I have fun with it either way. But I wanted to share this message that I got. This gentleman gave me permission to share this on social media. I did post about it on LinkedIn. This person filled out a contact form on my website. His name is Jesse Ayala. He says, Hey, Jordan, I just want to thank you so much, man. You have truly changed my life for the better. My name is Jesse Ayala. I'm 18 years old from West Chicago, Illinois, and I found found out about your podcast in the Kendall County Corrections Jail after I was arrested on Class X 
felony for delivery of LSD this year. Crazy, huh? Anyways, in the time I was there, I have listened to nearly all of your podcast episodes and have taken tremendous valuable information and books also. Thanks to you, I know have... Oh, oh, thanks to you, I now have taken up reading and have read a few books mentioned on the podcast, such as The Mastery of Love, Way the Peaceful Warrior. By the way, I recommend checking out that episode with the author of that book, Way the Peaceful Warrior, uh, Dan Millman, jordanparis.com slash EP139, one of my favorites, and a few more. I have influenced other inmates in my time being incarcerated to listen to your podcast, and I hope it impacts them just as much as it did me. Through your podcast, I've been able to finally gain the right mindset of motivation to finally start working out and get on a healthy lifestyle, going from a skinny, non-athletic guy to a more cut and healthier person. You are brilliant, my friend. Keep up the great content. We'll be getting your book soon. Love. And that is from Jesse Ayala. I love that stuff. And I would do this podcast even without the feedback. I don't really do it for the feedback. I do it because I'm curious about the people that I'm talking to and it's fun for me and I've learned so much from it. Like my life has just changed so much just from the lessons learned in the past 200 episodes. And it's so cool to know that other people's lives have changed over the course of 200 episodes as well. This is just like a cherry on top. So I really appreciate all of you who've reached out to me over really the past two and a half years. And very recently, I've started a Facebook group for Growth Mindset University, a discussion group, the community, the Growth Mindset University community. You can find it by searching Growth Mindset University on Facebook. It will probably come up. You can also use the URL facebook.com slash groups slash Growth Mindset University, all one word. And I will be sure to let you in. It's a small group right now because I just started it and we are growing and the discussion that is happening in there has been really great so far. And I'm excited to have you in that group, facebook.com slash groups slash growth mindset university. Now, as for today's guest, his name is Seth Godin. Seth is somebody that I've looked up to for a very long time. He's given one of my favorite TED Talks of all time. It's called Stop Stealing Dreams. He's given many TED Talks. He is the author of 19 books that have been bestsellers around the world and have been translated into more than 35 languages. He's also the founder of the Alt-MBA and the Akimbo Workshops, online seminars that have transformed the work of thousands of people. He writes about the post-industrial revolution, the way ideas spread, marketing, quitting, leadership, and most of all, changing everything. You might be familiar with his books, Lynchpin, Tribes, The Dip, and Purple Cow. His latest book, This Is Marketing, was an instant bestseller around the world. And in addition to his writing and speaking, Seth has founded several companies, including Yo-Yo Dine and Squidoo. His blog, which you can find by typing Seth into Google, is one of the most popular in the world. And his podcast, called Akimbo, is in the top 1% of all podcasts worldwide. I absolutely love his podcasts on Akimbo, by the way. 
In 2018, he was inducted into the Marketing Hall of Fame. More than 20,000 people have taken his powerful akimbo workshops, including the All-MBA and the Marketing Seminar. Seth is somebody that I regard as one of the greatest marketers of all time, and a lot of other people regard him as that as well. You can find Seth at akimbo.com, altmba.com, seths.blog, S-E-T-H-S.blog, and stopstealingdreams.com. He's a really easy guy to find if you just type Seth Godin into Google, or for that matter, just type in Seth into Google. And in this episode, we talk about the difference between learning and education. I've dreamed of talking about my favorite topic with one of my favorite people in the world, education with Seth Godin for a very long time. And honestly, I kind of blew it, guys. <laughs> you know, I, I edited it up to make it sound a little bit better. But man, I was not on my A game for this interview. It's still good. He was awesome. It's just sometimes I still drop the ball. I mean, I'm sure you've heard it over the course of listening to Growth Mindset University, me dropping the ball every now and then. And uh, look, that happened today. I'm sure you'll still enjoy this interview, but I just wanted to give you that heads up and be real transparent with you. Anyhow, if you would like to share this episode, it will be jordanparis.com slash EP200. The link to the Facebook group, Growth Mindset University, will also be at, at jordanparis.com slash EP200. And I know that this has been the longest intro ever on Growth Mindset University. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with the one and only Seth Godin. Thank you. Seth Godin, welcome to Growth Mindset University. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. Well, it's a privilege. Thank you for having me. Lately, when I've been talking about education, which two weeks ago uh, was the last time I did it, uh, you know, I've been reading off the statistic at the beginning of the episode. We are currently, uh, as of July 5th, up to $1.681 trillion in student loan debt at an average of $37,963 per student. And uh, it's up a little bit over $100 uh, since uh, two weeks ago when I last read that statistic with a gentleman named Blake Bowles. I believe you you know him. We're going to talk a little bit about that today, but you know, education as a whole, I'm very excited to talk about that with you today, Seth. The first thing I wanted to uh, touch on, which by the way, your, your, your TED talk, Stop Stealing Dreams has long been my favorite TED talk. I've, I've sent it to many people that I know, my family members. Uh, I, I love showing that, that talk to people. The textbook example is just uh, absolutely hilarious. Uh, I like to use that myself. People can go find that TED talk at, uh, in the show notes of this episode. Go to jordanparis.com, uh, hit the search icon at the top right. Search Seth Godin. You will find the TED Talk, the show notes there, as well as Seth's other links. Seth's.blog, S-E-T-H-S.blog is where his blog is. I've been a subscriber probably for four or so years, and you can find his his, uh, social handles there as well. Seth, uh, why don't we start? Tell us about, uh, because you just described this so eloquently, and you really understand the history of education. Why don't you tell us the the history of school and education and its original purpose. 
Okay, so there's a lot to decode here, and I'll just put a pin also. If someone goes to stops, uh, if someone goes to stopstealingdreams.com, there is the TED Talk, but there's also the uh, 80-page book, which you can get for free that the TED Talk is based on. Oh, I didn't even realize there, there was one. There is, indeed. Um, maybe it's more than 80 pages. It's been uh, downloaded 4 million times so far, which makes me very happy. Uh, here's the deal. Education and learning are not the same thing. Human beings have been learning for 30,000 years. Learning is essential. We learn things by doing them. Education is different. It is a system organized around compliance and indoctrination. And the bait for education is a prize. And the prize is a piece of paper. That piece of paper gets you uh, admission to various places that people without the paper don't get. And so if you ever ask yourself the question, will this be on the test? Yes. You have now identified that you are in education, you are not in learning. Because no one asks if there's going to be a test. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're there for the piece of paper, not the learning. Yeah. No one asks if there's going to be a test when they're learning to ride a bicycle. So the the core then of my message is this. Education arrived. We know why it arrived. We know how it arrived. It arrived because the industrial system, factories, needed compliant factory workers. That is not a normal human state. To go to another building where it's dark and smoky and spend 12 hours doing what you are told. You need to be trained to do that. And so industrialists teamed up with bureaucrats and said, let's come up with a system starting when kids are five years old that will train them to sit in straight lines, to do what they're told. If they fail, we will reprocess them the same way we do in the factory and do it again. And this is the indoctrination aspect that you're you're speaking of, at least a little bit. Yeah, correct. And it's more than just indoctrinating people in this level of behavior. There's also good parts of it, lots of good parts. One of the good parts is everyone learns fractions. One of the good parts is that everyone learns a level of civility. Uh, there are good parts Reading. About yeah, reading, all the things that come from being in culture and community. Public school can create a huge leveling effect and an amplifying effect. But like all things that we industrialize, it can get out of hand. It gets out of hand because we keep trying to add a zero. And so you were talking about trillions of dollars worth of student debt. Well, once you got a billion dollars worth of student debt, two billion is the next step. And you keep going, and you keep going, and you keep going. Once you can get into a sort of famous college like Purdue, you say, well, maybe I could get even into a more famous college, even though there's no evidence that a more famous college or a college with a good football team will actually get you anything that will benefit you going forward. Right. One fascinating uh, insight, they did a study of lifetime outcomes of people who got into Harvard and went to Harvard versus lifetime outcomes of people who got into Harvard and didn't go to Harvard. And you probably guessed they're the same. That in fact, Harvard's biggest contribution is the sorting mechanism of who gets in, not actually what happens during the four years and a quarter of a million dollars you spend while you're there. So I am not against education, but I am in favor of learning. And I have built, for the last five years, pioneering programs in online learning that throw away with intent all of the trappings of education because it's a cheat and a hack to use them. And so there are no tests. There is no certificate. There is no mm -hmm. emphasis on compliance. There are no grades. It's If you're not enrolled in the journey, don't come. 
And if you are enrolled and you are leaning into it, magical things happen. Because you are no longer saying, will this be on the test? You're saying, how can I engage with other people to go where I would like to go? And what the pandemic has shown us is how deep the lie of in-person education is. And I hope yeah. that a lot of people are going to wake up and say, if I can get the paper without spending the quarter of a million dollars and without spending four years of my life, what would that be like? The other thing too with that is that colleges have essentially admitted, they have conceded, you don't need to come here. And and they and they back this up by uh, they're, because they're charging the exact same amount of money for the Zoom education versus the in-person education. So thus, they've they've conceded you don't need to come here. Th they're not the same. Well, that's an interesting question. So this is a sad story of indoctrination. Uh, a friend is a uh, rising junior or senior at a very famous college, and it costs a lot of money. And one of his courses is Spanish. And when everyone was sheltering in place, Spanish class took place in Zoom. And the way the instructor did the class is she would talk for five minutes and she'd hit the magical breakout button in Zoom, which is a, a really terrific way to teach, and broke everybody into groups of five. And what this young man told me is then they instantly began to talk to each other in English, talked about sports, talked about anything until the breakout room was over how stupid this professor was for letting them do this. And I'm like, how stupid you are for spending that kind of time and money so that you could hide out like a teenager because you weren't going to get caught. And the thing is that most live college lectures that are not small group seminars are just variations of how little can I do and how much can I get away with? So, I've been in magical classrooms. I've run magical classrooms. But it takes an extraordinary amount of effort, not just from the teacher, but from the students. And they're not willing to extend that effort because they know the scam. And the scam is, well, if it's not on the test, I don't have to bother. Yeah. I mean, how, I mean, like, how, do, we, how do we fix this? Because, Seth, I, you know, I just got out of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, almost, I'm actually pretty ashamed to admit that, uh, I went to university for four years. I went to Florida Gulf Coast University, graduated in uh, May of 2020. And, uh, you know, I went because that was, like, as an 18-year-old, that was the only option. Like, that was the default thing to do. It, it was expected from the time I came out that uh, I was going to go to college, uh, as, as it was for every kid in my family. And so that's what I did because I thought I should do it. And, uh, you know, realized less than halfway in, like, I'm really, really wasting my time here. And uh, yet I, I persisted, whatever. But what I witnessed, you know, going on, like, as you mentioned, so many, so many people game the system. The example in Spanish class of what you just articulated uh, goes on way more frequently than I'd liked uh Cheating is absolutely rampant. The the will this be on the test question is uh, you know pops up inevitably at some point in every single class. Uh, you know which is of course an admission of I'm not here for the learning. I'm just here for the piece of paper. Can, can this even be fixed in in my lifetime? Like on a large scale throughout America, it's already being fixed. And um, I'm inherently an optimist, but people who have read the book that goes with the TED Talk, 
sometimes say, well, what's your plan? What, you know, you've, you've outlined this set of symptoms and this problem. Very few people have disagreed with me about it. What's your plan? And my plan is super simple. Ask what school is for. Every parent, every student, every administrator, ask what school is for. That's all. Just ask and ask and ask and ask. I have two things I think school is for, but I don't care. As long as everyone agrees on some answers, then let's go do that. We know what a bridge is for. A bridge is so that cars can go from one side of the river to the other. And if you build a bridge out of cotton candy, we can say it's a defective bridge. But we don't have any clarity about what school is for. Harvard has enough money in the bank, as does Princeton, for it to be free for every student who comes at their current scale for the next 50 years. Or they have enough money in the bank for it to be free for every student in the world online for the next century. So if we can make... Should it be free? Well, should it be free? Well, it should be free if it will create an environment where more people get more of what school is for, because it's a nonprofit in the public service. It should not be free if free will decrease emotional enrollment. And so the workshops I run are not free. And the reason they're not free is every time I give uh, someone a, a totally free scholarship, they don't work as hard, they don't try as hard, and they don't engage as much. So we give huge scholarships, 90% to nonprofits and, and people who are engaging, who have a hardship. But um, the point is that if we have the technology now to bring learning to lots and lots of people, and we believe that what school is for, or I do anyway, is to solve interesting problems and to teach people to lead, we know how to do that in lots of settings. So let's figure out how to create environments where from an early age, kids are encouraged, and from an older age, parents are encouraged to put themselves into situations where they learn stuff, where they connect, where they see more clearly, and we can do that right this minute. And it's being done in lots of different variations, but it's a huge but. The parents have to deal with a lot of social shame because you have to explain to other parents why you got off this weird bandwagon. And so I'll give one example. There's a, a chain of now hundreds of schools around the world called the Acton Academy, A-C-T-O-N. And at the typical Acton Academy school, there are 50 students and only two adults. And the two adults do everything, including janitation work, sanitation work, janitorial. So what that means is that these kids are every age from uh, first grade to 12th grade, and there's no adults, essentially. And they teach themselves and each other for 12 years. They find projects. They take care of their time, and they take care of each other. And the outcomes at the other end are unbelievable. Now, there are some real issues with that. There are a lot of parents who don't have the resources to find or support an Acton Academy. There's a lot of public policy issues that have to be addressed because school works better when everyone is in it. I think we have to address those urgently. But if you're asking about pedagogy, I think there, it's unanimous that the pedagogy of the typical American school from first grade to college is completely backwards. Yeah. I, I mean, with that said, you know, with the, with the incentive in, you know, currently in, you know, traditionally in schools right now being uh, grades 
and pieces of paper. I mean, is there is there a point to getting good grades? And and for context, Seth, there are plenty of students who listen to this podcast. Because I certainly saw it when when I was in school. I was like, you know, I realized by by sophomore year, I was like, what is the what am I doing? You know, what is the what is the point of getting good grades? Like, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to spend way more time actually doing things and thinking up ideas, implementing on them and, you know, starting businesses and making money, uh, not just like at a serving job, which nothing wrong with that. That's how most people work their way through college. But, you know, I wasn't yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm putting I'm not going to put grades below like a serving job if that's what I had to do. I've, you know, but I'm going to put grades way below like my entrepreneurial endeavors. And that's what I did. And I got out of college and I didn't have to get a job. You know, like, is there a point to getting good grades? Well, let's talk about engineering and performance back to the bridge idea. If you seek to get a gig where a famous college straight A's law review is the ticket, well, then you now know how to get the ticket. And that's a good thing to do if your goal is that objective. Yes. Like you, when I was in college, my goal was to practice being an entrepreneur. And by the time I graduated, I had co-founded with a few other people, the largest student-run business in America. One-tenth of the students on campus were our employees at the Temporary Employment Agency. We had 25 divisions. We had a snack bar, a travel agency. Uh, we sold bagels door-to-door. We had a birthday cake service. We launched a new one every week. And I made $50 a week running that business. And I had one notebook for all my classes. And I took more classes than you were supposed to. And I did my best to get a B, which wasn't easy to do because if I tried, it was, you know, it was one of those places where you could get good grades. I didn't want good grades. I wanted to take more classes, learn more stuff and start more businesses because performance matters when you get a chance to perform. And that, you know, the irony is that what most elite universities are good at is football, the weight room, easily measured metrics and things like that. And then they get all confused about what they're there for. Most people who are in the weight room are keeping track of how much they're bench pressing. And so if you need good grades to accomplish your goal, you better get good grades. Don't need good grades to accomplish your goal, then go do something that will. So, you know, it's obviously, you know, grades, uh, I, you know, I was actually going to uh, March 21st. I was, I was about to give a TED talk on education. You know, we all know what happens. Uh, you know, I can't. So it's your fault. You started <laughs> yeah. this whole pandemic thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what, what was I saying about, um, about grades? Oh yeah. So like grades, you know, they're not necessarily the end, but they can be a means to an end. Like if you want to go be a doctor and save lives, uh, and you need to get into med school, then yeah, absolutely. Go get those grades. Uh, go get that A. If you would like to be uh, a lawyer saving uh, or fighting for innocent people on death row, then yeah, absolutely. Go get that A. Like Again, the A is not the end, but it can be a means to an end. If you'd like to be an entrepreneur, on the other hand, then my opinion is study less, socialize more, spend more time thinking up ideas and, and spend more time implementing on those ideas. And, and grades don't exactly take a precedent over that if you want to go the path of an entrepreneur. That's my opinion. Yeah, I was with you until almost the end. Um, mm-hmm. I, th- I think that the best way to practice being an entrepreneur is to figure out how to serve customers. I don't believe that 
uh, socialization and being good at going to uh, networking events helps you be an entrepreneur at all. If that's fun, please go do that. But figuring out how to serve customers is an extraordinary skill that no one ever taught you, with the exception of the customer being the teacher who's going to give you an A. And, you know, when we realized when we were running the birthday cake service or the travel agency or the, you know, the trip, bus trip business, that our customers didn't want what we wanted, it was such a huge insight. And then we just practiced that over and over and over again. And nobody else knew how to do that. And that takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. You know, when Michael Dell built his billion-dollar enterprise, it wasn't because Michael Dell was popular. It was because Michael Dell realized that people might not want the same computer he wanted, but he knew how to get it for them. Okay, I agree with you. You know, we hear how you did it. How does the average student go about learning how to serve customers? So I've taught a lot of people how to do this. After the vaccine comes out, there's going to be Valentine's Day again. And when Valentine's Day comes around, there is probably the opportunity to buy 100 roses for 50 cents each and sell them for $2 each. Mm. And most people can find the resources to go get the first 50 roses to do it the first time. That uh, if you live on campus and people have mini fridges, uh, do the math, you'll discover that the annual cost of renting a mini fridge is the same as the price of buying a mini fridge. So go pre-sell a whole bunch of mini fridges, go out and buy all the mini fridges, deliver them, and at the end of the year, you will have broken even, and now you can put them in storage, and next year, you'll do fine, right? So we don't need original ideas. Original ideas are way overrated if you're an entrepreneur. We need people who will put their heart and soul into serving customers. You mentioned earlier in your program, I assume maybe you're talking about the Alt-MBA you know, there's, and I knew this, there's no tests. What is the alternative? Is there an alternative to test to measure, you know, how a student is doing? I love this question. So I'll give you an even more germane example. Uh, we've run this once. We're running it again in August. It's free. It's for college juniors and seniors who had their lives interrupted by the pandemic. And it's a five-day sprint in Zoom, 100% in Zoom, full scholarship. We don't charge anybody. Uh, we pick 80 to 100 people who apply from all over the world, but you have to wake up in our time zone to do it. And it's 14 hours a day. And of the 14 hours a day, it's all group work, different group every day for five days. We only talk at you for about 40 minutes. And the rest of the time is project work and group work on your own, in small groups, and then coming back the next day for more. And the thing about it is, it's all really vague. We don't say this is what a good project looks like. And we don't say this is what the right answer is. And what we found the first time we ran it is 101 people started and 99 people finished. Five days, 14 hours a day, no prize, no grades, no test. Hmm. And the outcomes were unbelievable. And what people said, and you can see some of the testimonials at akimbo.com, what people said was, I didn't know I could accomplish this much. And what they said was, every time I did group work in college, it sucked. And the reason group work in college sucks is because the level of enrollment from the people in the room varies 
from how little can I do to how do I get an A. And when someone who wants to get an A is in a group with someone who wants to do as little as possible, the person who wants to get an A does all the work and it's not group work. And if you have enrollment, meaning the right people are in the right room for the right reason, that's what life looks like, actually. Right. And you don't need to externally measure performance the same way if you're in a Peloton of five people going for a bike ride, you don't need a referee following you with a stopwatch because five people who voluntarily decided to go on a century bike ride with each other take care of performance. That's not the issue. Yeah, absolutely, Seth. One of the things you mentioned in your TED Talk too is like life life is literally open note. Why for a test does it have to be like a, a, a closed note test? You can't ask for help, you know, from the person sitting next to you. Like that's not like that's not real life. You can't look it up. Like that's not real life. I don't see t- look. I don't see universities uh, abolishing tests anytime soon, but l- maybe less so. Making them open note, considering making them open note, I think that's a little bit more uh, within reach. Is there like a downside? Is there a downside to open note tests? Did you have clickers when you were in college? What, what's a clicker? Ah, good for you. <laughs> I was amazed to hear this from a friend at Penn State. Big universities are issuing students clickers, which have GPS built in. And you're in the lecture hall, and the professor says, click. And if you don't click... This episode of Growth Mindset University is sponsored by Toner. In fact, I'm recording this ad right now with a Toner Q9 microphone. It's an all-in-one solution. The Toner Q9 mic kit includes a condenser microphone, a metal shock mount, a scissor arm stand with adjustable suspension, a pop filter, a foam mic cover, and more. The cardioid condenser capsule enables the Q9 to capture pristine sound quality and cancel noise from surroundings. Perfect for people who don't have a soundproof studio. For example, I'm recording this in a very echoey room with no carpet. If I were recording this on my Blue Yeti, you would hear the sound bouncing off the walls. But since I'm recording this with my Toner Q9, it sounds like I'm in a studio-grade room. So if you're a podcaster, the Q9 mic kit is your best choice at only $69.99. And Toner is offering an exclusive 20% discount code for you with the code Jordan Paris. Capital J, capital P, no spaces. Available at jordanparis.com slash toner. That's jordanparis.com slash T-O-N-O-R. Also available on Amazon. And the professor says, click. And if you don't click, you're marked absent and your grade goes down. Isn't that a stop? And then the people were hacking it, trying to come up with a way to let, like you loan your clicker to someone who'd bring it to class and click. Right. Right? I mean- Really, they've gone so far in that direction of running it like some bizarre form of slaughterhouse of making sure the there's well okay so so there's there's something similar when when I was going that you know like Canvas the learning management software mm-hmm. they would create like a quiz in Canvas a lot of teachers would do this and at the end of class you have to start the quiz and the one question is like. Uh, like, like you have to enter like a um, a key to prove, like or like like right. I was here, like is is the key exactly. or something like that, you, and you have to like submit it before the end of right. uh, at at the end of it's class so in a one absurd. minute window. It's weird. Yeah, <laughs> they had done that to me the first day of school. I would have stood up and I would have left. So what's the alternative? So George Smith, the fantastic uh, professor of logic, um, 
his course was uh, every session was completely optional. Come if you want. And the final started at 9 a.m. And you could stay as long as you wanted. Open book. And 24 hours was the limit because he just couldn't deal with someone staying in the room for more than 24 hours. And the final was, here's six logic problems. And uh, you just have to hand in your uh, symbolic logic responses. And if you understand logic, it's super easy. And if you don't understand logic, it doesn't matter how long you're going to sit in this room. And so the purpose of logic uh, in George Smith's class, George Smith's class was not to show that you showed up. It was to learn to do symbolic logic, something that has benefited me my whole life. And I can't think of a class you can't run that way, right? What is the purpose of a class to say, this is a class whose purpose is to show that you can memorize things for very short periods of time? Right. It's silly. What about, what should universities be doing right now in terms of like, you know, charging full price for a Zoom education? Like, should should they be doing that? Should they not? What do you think? Okay, so let's understand that leverage is a real problem. And you're an entrepreneur and you're starting to discover this. If you are competing against other businesses and those other businesses have uh, the ability to have a sale or to buy a new machine or to do something you can't do, they're going to win. And so what you have to do in order to keep up is you have to borrow money. And once you borrow money, you have to organize your business at a scale and a profit so that you can pay off your debt. And that's how we end up with a very highly leveraged economy and why the pandemic was so devastating to so many small businesses. Because in the old days, it wasn't unreasonable for a small business to have six months worth of resources available to it if times got tough. But now, if you're in New York City paying New York City rent, you might have four days of, of leeway. And so you're nailed. It's, you're done. Well, colleges are leveraged too. And there was a race to build a better dorm and build a better gym and pay for this and pay for this and pay for this. And what they did was they added up how many beds they had and they added up how much they got from room and board and they added up how much they got from tuition. And that was their nut. That was how much they could count on each year and they could leverage right up to that edge. And now all of a sudden, people say, I'm not coming to campus. And they're saying, but if we don't get paid for room and board, we're going to go out of business. So they are not doing value-based pricing. They're doing cost-based pricing. It costs us this much just for the place to exist. And if our students don't pay it, we're going to fold. And a lot of institutions are going to fold, maybe not right away, but soon students are going to say, hey, I'm taking a gap year. If I was, if I was 19, 20 right now, there's no way I would go in September. I would take a gap year for sure. Yeah, it's what my little brother's doing. He's going to enroll in community college. Right? Or just figure out how to make the food bank in your town work better. Figure out how to raise a million dollars for charity. Do something where you will learn a thing by doing it. Mm. And then when you get back to campus healthy, you will be smarter, more mature, more confident, and then maybe you can get something out of it. I have to convince my, uh, my or, or at least tell you know my parents and and uh brother little brother to consider uh taking like a real gap year instead of like you know just doing some gen eds at community colleges i I think a like a a real gap year like away from school might be something beneficial yeah i was talking to a friend who's stranded here because she can't go home to her country and i was like in three months someone as smart as you 
could be not world-class, but pretty close in any programming language you choose for free. And almost anyone who's listening to this is smart enough to learn a programming language, learn it well in three months, and then start committing code to an open source project and start building a reputation and then start writing a free app or start doing data visualization. It's all on the same laptop everybody else has. So it's, you know, you and I are talking in July. That means by October, you have a skill that's worth six figures a year in income. What are you waiting for? Right. A good one too. Like one of the ways I used to make cash a couple of years ago was uh, building WordPress websites. Like I, I, and I would say, you know, while I was in college, like WordPress is my degree. It was, it's such a valuable skill. Uh, it's not, it's not like super, super easy that someone can learn it in an hour, but it's not hard enough for, to make it so that, uh, like ever, anyone can do it. I, I really think anyone can learn WordPress. Like I think it's, I think it's pretty easy, uh, relatively speaking. Like that's a, that's another good example. Like you could be making $4,000 a pop, uh, on, on websites. If you just learn the skill of WordPress, probably take a couple of weeks. Well, look, Seth, this has been uh, an enlightening conversation today. I love talking about education. People can find you akimbo.com is where they can find your podcast. Of course, it's on all the uh, platforms like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I've been listening to that for two years. One of them that comes really to the top of mind all the time is uh, the wedding industrial complex. Yeah. Where, yeah, where uh, essentially what I took from that is the more a couple spends on a wedding, the more likely they are to get divorced. I will put that link in the show notes, Wedding Industrial Complex. Really interesting episode. And, you know, his episodes are like 20, 25, 30 minutes max. Uh, so they're great. Like I would, I remember Seth, like two years ago, I'd be like, uh, before bed, like nine o'clock, I'd put my yoga mat out, turn the Himalayan pink salt uh, lamp on and, uh, and and have my speaker on and just be listening to Akimbo. It was a good time, man. <laughs> yeah, so I think, uh, I think other people should do that too allmba.com. People can find your program there. And then seths.blog, uh, S-E-T-H-S dot blog. It's hard to uh, pronounce. So I, it's hard to say Seth's, <laughs> Seth's blog. <laughs> Seth's blog dot blog is, uh, is uh, where you can find his blog. I recommend subscribing there. My final question, this is the question I ask everyone at the end is, if you could teach a course at a university, a, a course of your creation or otherwise, what would it be? Well, I did teach at NYU, and what I taught at NYU uh, was practical entrepreneurship, which is almost never successfully taught. But I think if it could be uh, anything, I think it would be a course about um, learning how to see and learning how to lead. Seth Godin, I appreciate you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, man. Keep making this ruckus. We've reached the end of this episode of Growth Mindset University. For more keys to success and methods to inspire your entrepreneurial spirit, head to jordanparis.com slash course and enroll in our free course to elevate your podcast to the next level. Be sure to pass the show along to someone you know who will benefit from the lessons learned in each episode and we'll catch you and them on the next episode of Growth Mindset University. Have you ever thought of starting a podcast of your own? Maybe you already have one, but if you haven't, think about that. 
When I first started Growth Mindset University, it wasn't pretty. Had no idea what I was doing. Wasted a lot of time, money, effort, energy. And it took me years of trial and error to figure things out. I was growing as I was going, as I like to say. So why not skip the line? Jump ahead a couple of years and become a rock star podcaster right now. I have a course all about podcasting called, of course, How to Become a Rockstar Podcaster. And people over the past year have been loving it. Ben says, I have to say that your video was easily one of the most transparent and helpful podcast walkthroughs I've seen. Picked up a lot of useful tactics, more than I originally thought I would. My friend Janiad, he said, Jordan, this course is so good. You've helped me so much in getting my podcast started, and I am eternally grateful for that. And now Janiad's been podcasting for almost a year, and he's doing it the right way. So go to jordanparis.com slash course for free access to my course, How to Become a Rockstar Podcaster. Again, that's jordanparis.com slash course to get access to the free course. And by the way, I have more free resources for podcasters, including a document with 12 interview tips. Visit my company website, trendup.media, instead of .com, it's .media, for access to these free resources. Again, that's trendup.media. Thank you.